I want you to hear it. Look at me. You need other brothers and sisters that love Jesus. You need the gathering. You need to worship with other believers. You need to struggle with other believers. You need to confess your sins with other believers. That's why, listen to me. I want you to hear this clear. Jesus engaged Galilee, his city, so we can experience this gathering today at Ohana Church. Listen to me. He engaged the city. So that today, 2,000 years later, we can experience this today. What did Jesus, he is the foundation of the church. He's God overall. He is the one that establishes the church, right? He's doing the hard work right now in this text. That's why we need to gather. This is why all we are called to fellowship as Ohana Church. Because we have something in common. And this is this, Jesus is engaging our hearts with new life, right? This creates a gospel bond, right? Today we, we have an opio gathering, right? Opio means youth in Hawaiian. And there's going to be a lot of football players here tonight because I told them, we need spiritual bonding, bro. We just got cracks from Kealakehe, right? And there's a lot of ungodly things that happen on the sidelines. Look, I could care less about the scoreboard. I promise you that, you know? I already got my state ring too, so I'm good, bro. You know what I'm saying? But... But more than state rings, bro, I want my boys to be in heaven with me. I desire, you, you should desire, no matter what kind of theology you have, preference driven. As much as, I, you, as, as much as you want your children to be in heaven with you, I want all those that have come in contact to be with me. Now the reality is we know they're not going to trust in God. We know they're not going to repent. That should not make you a Debbie Downer in this room. You should be encouraged that God would rescue you. And true salvation must be multiplied. Because if it ain't true, it ain't multiplying nothing but sin. So, so I, want, I want you to hear this. Look at this. Our Ohana, more than anything, we are a family. But we're knitted in the gospel. And just as Jesus lived life in Galilee, in his city, we're called to live life here in Hilo. But listen, it is easy to become like the world. Guilty, even as a pastor. I confess some specific sins with our leadership of my mouth. Like the old kanaka was coming out, you know what I'm saying? Like, and it's just, just things that I struggle with in my own life. And, and listen to me, part of the gospel is being transparent. But what we're going to do, we're going we're to try to be transparent to the wrong person. And if they're not like John the Baptist, they're just going to party on your parade of guilt and shame and and make it feel better. And that's sin. No, you need transparency on both sides. Number two, and we be Paul. Jesus begins ministry with the message of life. I want you to hear that, right? Mark says, this is what Jesus did in Galilee. He proclaims the gospel of God. Jesus gives a clear description what the gospel is. Look at verse 15. He says, the time is fulfilled. He is specifically talking about Isaiah 40, right, the prophet. This is 700 years before Jesus comes on the scene as a human, right? He, it, Isaiah 40 talks about John the Baptist and his preparation of Jesus' coming. And Jesus said, I'm here already. 700 years later, I'm here. The prophecies that Isaiah has talked about is fulfilled. I'm here today. Therefore, if I'm here today, listen to me, the promised kingdom has arrived today. Listen to me, Hilo. 
Listen to me, Ohana. Listen to me, Kolohe boys. All right, listen. All right. Here's the joy. This city has God's kingdom activity all up in this place, Jack. God's kingdom is alive and well in the city of Hilo. Why? Because God's spirit is in his people. And if you belong to God, you got to give him a mighty chee right now, bro. Right? I mean, that is the joy. God is in you. We don't have to ask, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Hello, when does God need your permission? He created you, Hawaiian. You're never creative. He don't need one to invitate you to our party. Right? He must have been Hawaiian, right? I don't care. You guys know what I'm talking about, bro. We don't need invitation. If Hawaiian get one little out down the street, guess what? I come in. And with my three fat boys, right? And part of Ohana Church, they act like they're my kids too. You know all that? We come in. 15. Carlos, right? We come in 15, 20 deep, right? We come in, bro. We don't need one invitation, right? This is not an alley. How do they say it in the Holy Land? Uh, 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 yeah, Holy. We, this is not mainland, right? What we make, uh, what do you call those things they do now, the RSVP, right? Those things like, whoever created that, right? That's why we lost our kingdom, because we just invite anybody. Howlies, <laughs> you should laugh at that right now, okay? <laughs> but don't laugh too much, get plenty of salty people in there, okay? <laughs> right? If you cannot laugh at that, man, you're going to see a problem in you today, right? They're, they're, they're. There, you must understand, listen to me. Jesus, when he, when he, when he brought this message, it was, it was to restore, it was to redeem, it was to encourage, it was to inspire. Also, it was to, to multiply that to other people. If our goal is to reach 1% of the city in the next three years, I cannot do it alone. Now, Jesus can do it alone, and the way he chooses to do it, listen to me, is through his ohana. No, no, no. The goal is not just to have a big church. The heart of it is really to see sinners come to the message of life, a life of fulfillment. Now, not to boast in your efforts, but the message of the cross, in his burial, in his, in his resurrection. And so Jesus is dropping bombs about his sisters. The time that Isaiah was talking about is today. I am living proof. I am that prophecy fulfilled. And then he says these two words that we have to embrace. Repent, help me out, and believe. Here's my greatest tragedy as a pastor. When I know someone is in known sin and they've heard the articulation of the gospel and because of the weight of sin, because of the lies of the enemy, you've decided to remain in your filth. Listen to me. There, there is joy in the presentation of the gospel when you say, God, I'm over my sin. I need forgiveness. I repent of my sins. You know, I, I trust in you. The, the word repent means not just to ask for forgiveness, but for true forgiveness equals true life change. Yeah. 
In the Greek, it literally means from turning from one way of living to completely turning to another way of living. It's not being remorseful of our sin where we're halfway in and we're continually like a dog going back to his vomit. We're keeping stepping in and, and tapping on that sin. It's real repentance, genuine repentance. And the Greek language is literally turning from one way of living, right, to a whole other way of living in our thinking, in our being, in everything. We're living differently. And everything that's behind us, right, everything that is in us, everything moving forward, on us is God will fulfill the work of salvation from day on. It's not mean we're, we're not going to fail. It's not mean that we, it, those means that, but because we know Christ and we know a clarity of the gospel, that when we are convicted of our sin, it, it deems repentance and it de deems embracing and belief of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We understand Philippians 1 6 that uh, what God starts in us, He will what? He will finish. I get it, man. The gospel life is not hard. Listen to me. It's impossible. That's why we fail. The Christian life is not hard. It's impossible. And that's why we use terminologies like repentance and forgiveness. Why? Uh, because there is no true belief apart from genuine repentance. My question is, have you repented today? My question is, have you truly repented? Some of you are even spiritually dead. I see it in the room. You're, you're not getting what I'm saying. And it would be easy for me to manipulate this setting and be a football coach and call you out and embarrass you in front of everybody. But in all reality, that if, if I do that, that's not power in the gospel. That's power in myself. If the gospel is true and it's been tested for, for all humanity and all generations, then it will accomplish what Jesus has already done on the cross for you and I. So I want you to see 10 things why we can trust the gospel, right? Specifically the scripture. All right, there's a couple of things that you need to know. And if you got a paper and pen or if you have uh, the Bible app, this is a perfect reason to, uh, to write down why we believe what we believe in. And number one, listen to me. We believe in the scriptures, the top 10. I got this off, uh, I got this off a, a good source website. I want you to see the top 10s that makes us believe why the gospel is real. Number one, uh, um, um, but before we go there, I want you to see the tragedy of accepting the gospel. We're going to look at that 10, but I want you to see two things of the tragedy of accepting the gospel. Number one, it's new and different. Right? That the idea that you don't want to buy a new car if you what? If you don't test it, right? If you don't test it, if you don't drive it, right? It's the same reality where in the gospel, in this tension, Jesus was doing some innovative things. Like he wasn't meeting in the temple. This is new and profound. He was sharing the message outside of the temple. That was culturally not right, okay? It was different. Jesus taught a way that was different from traditional views. The traditional views of religion in general teaches you have to do this, right, to be in right fellowship with God. Jesus says this, you are incapable of doing any of this. That's why I'm here on earth. So that I can show you through my sacrifice that you, all you got to do is give sin away to me 
and I will fulfill the promise of salvation. Are you understanding where I'm coming from? So it's new. It's different. Number two, uh, it's unseen, right, for us today. We don't see physical Jesus. But this text, they do see physical Jesus. They, see, they do see physical God, and a lot of them still denied who he was. So, so, so what makes us be, believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Listen to me. Because we have to believe sources that are credible that tells us about Jesus. Yes, we believe the Bible is 100% accurate. It is canonized. It is fulfilled. You cannot add. You cannot take away. It's sufficient. But I want you to see how God breathes out his, this word. Okay? He breathes out his word through real people in real time with real pilakia. Can I get a witness, right? So here's just 10 things I want you to see. Number one, we see, a, we see manuscript evidence. We learned a couple weeks ago that, that the Bible is the most copied manuscripts than any other writing in history. Over 24,000 in the New Testament alone. And the next one to that is 700 copies, which is Homer's Iliad. You see the difference? There's a big difference. Number two, archaeological evidence. Again and again, archaeological discoveries have verified the accuracy and the historical and cultural references in the Bible. Meaning, the more we dig, the more it confirms the Bible. Right? The more it confirms, like, oh, but we didn't find the ark yet. You know, all this stuff. Well, there's been many other things that we found, too. You can't discredit the scriptures because we haven't found the ark yet, right? We have found most of everything. Look, uh, number three, eyewitness accounts. The Bible was written by people who witnessed the events it described. Many were persecuted or martyred by ne but never changed their story. Right now, Christians are being, their hair are being cut off. They are being burnt. They are being drowned right now. You go to the website, The Voice of the Martyrs. And you can find out who are being killed right now as we speak. As you sit comfortably with AC and your ohana. Someone is getting their neck cut off for the gospel. That is proof. They don't, look, look, they don't, they're not like the Muslims, right? The radical Muslims where they're blowing up planes for their religion and going into buildings and towers, monuments. I mean, we, we have people dying for the cause of Christ. All, all 11 disciples out of the 12 were killed in the scriptures, in church history. Number four, we see cooperating accounts. There are plenty of re, uh, references in non-Bible sources to, the, to defend and describe the Bible. Josephus, you Google him. He's a perfect secular historian who lived in the time of Jesus and who claimed that Jesus was a real man. And he said if he wasn't man, but he truly was God. Josephus himself, who wasn't a believer in Christ, said all these things. Number five, we see a literary consistency in the Bible. Think about this. The Bible contains 66 books, okay? It contains 66 books written over 1,500 years by 40 different writers, but it tells of one big story, God's plan of redemption for humanity in Jesus Christ. Amen. Think about that, 1,500 years, right? Abraham did not know Paul. Moses did not know Brother Mark today, right? But they talk about one same theme, the redemption of humanity through Jesus. 
All right, so look at the number six. We see the prophetic consistency. There are over 300 specific prophecies in the Old Testament. We talked about one of them right today that are fulfilled in the life, in the death, and in the resurrection of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Number seven, we see expert scrutiny. The early church had extremely high standards for what the books were judged to be authentic and therefore included in the Bible. Yes, there were many more books of the Bible written, but if they did not, listen to me, if they did not line up with the redemption plan of Jesus Christ through Christ alone, it was not added to the text because we believe this is more about God than man. God through his son. Number, number eight, we see leader acceptance, leadership acceptance, meaning a majority of greatest leaders and thinkers in history have affirmed the truth and the impact of the scriptures. Listen to this. Listen to what Abraham Lincoln says. He says, I believe the Bible is the best gift God has ever given man. All the good from the Savior of the world is communicated to us through this book. But for it, we could not know right. For, but without it, we could not know right from wrong. Number nine, we see global influence. The Bible has a greater influence on the laws, art, ethics, music, and literature of the world civilization than any other book in history. And lastly, testimonies, guys. We've seen some serious lives being changed because of the gospel. St. Augustine, right? Do history on him. One of really the first reformer that I know of. To Martin Luther. To, listen to me, contemporary guys like C.S. Lewis and Lee Strobel. To even Kirk Cameron, right? Countless of men and women who are atheists. But the words of the Bible have transformed their lives unmistakably and forever. Listen to me. I believe what people need to see is the same model demonstrated by our Lord Jesus lived out in our text today. People aren't looking for more deep scholars, right? Although in my walk, I love listening to theologians and scholars. What they're looking for is a genuine pu'uvai that can get plenty of aloha for them. If we live by the morality of mankind, their work, their works, good or bad, we will always fail. But if we live by the standard that Christ is good, that Christ is worthy, that Christ Jesus is enough, we will see life change happen, not from manipulating from any music that gives us emotional feelings or, or, or great preaching, right, right? Listen to me. My preaching doesn't make the scriptures great. It's the scriptures that make our preaching great. You can be a monotone preacher and have plenty of mana and influence. Why? Because it's not based on the passion or the articulation of the preacher. It's based on the scripture. 
The scripture is what proclaims the generosity of Jesus, that he would give his life for us sinners, and that we would have the opportunity to repent and trust in him. Look at what Kevin DeYoung says. He says, this world needs to see Christians burning, not with self-righteousness, fury at sliding morals in our country, but with passion for the Lord. I really care. I really could care less if you knew all the doctrines of the faith. I really could care less, right? What I care about is whether or not you are genuinely sick of your sinful nature. And that you understand with me that we need Jesus. We need to be changed from the inside out. Right? I could... Start working out tomorrow and have a nice chiseled body in the next six months and still be, right, I, I know, I know, I know, right? You guys pray for me for that, yeah? Let's keep praying, right? And, I, I, and I'm in physical shape, but my heart is still as wicked as when I first started the, out, the external parts of my body to be fixed. Listen to me. Our sin is like a pig. We can put makeup on it. We could put a bow on it. But when you let that pig go, it's going to go back to the slop it came from. We don't need a fixed external body. We need a new heart. And it's from repentance and faith in Christ. As Ephesians 2, 7 to 8 says.